Hey guys, I just wanted to take another moment to thank Anchor.fm for making the process of starting a podcast so easy, streamlined, and most of all available. It took me about 10 minutes to create my account and get everything set up. On top of that, Anchor will distribute your podcast to other outlets for you, so you can just focus on creating the best content possible. If that isn't enough to get you started, Anchor will even seek out sponsors for you. It's easy to sign up, you can use your software to record, they distribute for you, and they put money in your pocket. If you want to start a podcast, there's no other way to go than Anchor.fm. I also would like to thank PublicDomainVectors.org. That's where I got my logo. And uh, check out my buddy Josh Jones' podcast, The Miseducation of Music. Uh, it's a great podcast. It's available on all platforms. Thank you. Hey, guys. Welcome to the third episode of the Gladiator Hour. It's this is kind of, of a better format for me because I'm able to talk about a fight card that actually happened this weekend. Last week was a little bit weird for me because I didn't really get to talk about fights, just news of fights that were happening and what the fighters were doing. Um, of course, we had UFC Stockholm this weekend. It actually ended up being a pretty fun card. Uh, a couple, I wouldn't say boring fights, but uh, slower paced fights for sure. Um, overall, it was fun. Uh, probably I'm probably just gonna break that down for the for the show, and uh, go over a couple of the more recently announced fights. There's some, and a couple more uh, standalone pieces of news. Um, Uriah Faber is actually coming back versus Ricky Simon at UFC Sacramento. It was funny on my last episode I talked about the possibility of Uriah coming back, and uh, as soon as I actually published the episode on Anchor, the tweet came out. Ariel Helwani retweeted it that. The fight was announced, and I was like, well, that would have been great about 20 minutes ago, but it is what it is. Um, Josh Emmett versus Mursad Bektik is on the same card at UFC Sacramento. Uh, it looks like that's going to be a very Team Alpha Male heavy card, since that is very close to Team Alpha Male itself. A lot of people were expecting Cody Garbrandt to be on the card, but he's coming off three losses, um, and apparently his hand is injured, so he has some work to do before he comes back. Uh, Aspen Lab versus Jermaine Durandamy will be headlining UFC Sacramento. That's actually a pretty big piece of news. Jermaine Durandamy hasn't really fought uh, in a while. She hasn't really been active. And Aspen Lab just got a fight of the night nod against um, Sahara Eubanks in a very fun fight in the last fight card at UFC Rochester. That fight was a lot of fun to watch. If you haven't seen it yet, you should go back and watch it. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Um, we have Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer uh, being finalized for UFC 240. That's not, of course, confirmed yet, but they're in talks for it, and both have uh, said that they're willing to do that fight. Um, that'll be a pretty fun one. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see like the status of the bantamweight division outside of the not the bantamweight the featherweight division outside of the UFC. Um, of course, as a lot of us know, the the featherweight division in the UFC is kind of um, barren. There's only like four or five fighters that actually are there, and Cyborg has beat most of them once at least, uh, some of them twice. Um, and other than that, Dustin Poirier versus Khabib Nurmagomedov is finally actually confirmed for UFC 242, September 7th in Dubai. That's going to be a really fun one. Um, everybody's looking forward to that. I, I really would like to see Dustin Poirier be able to, you know, withstand the wrestling of Khabib, but we've all seen 
you know, over and over again, a fighter go in there who said the same thing, that they're going to go in there and withstand the wrestling, and they're going to beat him, and that's not what happens. So, I do want to see how Dustin, who I'm a fan of, fares against that. A couple of pieces of standalone news. Uh, Yoel Romero lucked out, cashed out, won a 20, $27.45 million settlement from Gold Star Performance Products after failing a drug test due, due to a contaminated supplement. Um, it kind of speaks... I don't know if it speaks to his innocence. It does speak to his innocence in that case, but of course, Yoel is a very, very uh, freakishly jacked person for being like 42, but of course, that could just be the Cuban genetics, you never know. Um, but good for him in that, kind of helps out his legacy. Uh, and in boxing, Andy Ruiz becomes the first Mexican-American heavyweight champ after beating Anthony Joshua by knockout in the seventh round in a huge upset victory. Um, it kind of just teaches us all the lessons to take your blessings when they come. If he had fought Tyson Fury, if Anthony Joshua had fought Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder before that, while he was champion, you know, that's a fight where he could have made a ridiculous amount of, a ridiculous amount of money, win or lose. And now that's off the table for him. He's going to have to fight his way back up there, and he's no longer undefeated. So that's uh, it's pretty well for him. So that's about it for the standalone news. What I would like to do is just break down the entire UFC Stockholm card. I found it very interesting. It was a pretty fun one to watch. There was a lot of really fun stuff happening. Um, The first fight was Joel Alvarez versus Dan- Danilo Belliardo. Um, it, it started off looking like Joel was willing to trade on the feet, but Danilo wanted to wrestle, even though all of Joel's wins came by uh, submission from the bottom. Uh, of course, in the in the second round, Joel ended up sweeping Belliardo from the bottom and getting onto top position, trapping his wrist and winning the fight by technical knockout. Um, he just, you know, rained down elbows on him until the rest stopped the fight. The second fight was Krokop's protege versus versus uh, Devin Clark. Krokop's uh, protege being Darko Stosik. He actually looks a lot like Krokop, and he had like this weird sort of like aura about him. It just it was very stoic, kind of reminiscent of Krokop himself. Like you kind of felt like this is the type of dude that you don't want to mess with at any in any facet of life. Um, Sosa came out in the first round to start off, to start it off with a big power punch. Uh, Clark returned with his own and dropped Sosa and attempted to get a good position on the ground, but he couldn't. They got up and had a pretty good couple of singles on the feet. Uh, they were clinching a lot, but whenever they did separate and strike, it was really exciting and it really went either way. Uh, in the second round, it was kind of slow, but Sosa just defended a takedown and slammed Clark pretty decisively, uh, and delivered some pretty scary ground and pound. Uh, some mean-looking elbows to end out the second round. In the third round, uh, Stosik landed some really heavy shots from the clinch and absolutely ate a head kick and basically asked for another one, giving me the impression, once again, that he is an incredibly scary man. They ended the fight with a little uh, fun flurry, but it left me feeling that Devin was going to win 
the decision because he actually landed more shots more consistently, um, and he did end up win, winning by decision. It kind of felt like Dar- uh, Darko was going for the finish while Clark was going for the win, and it kind of showed in the decision. Uh, the, the fighter to that was Bea Malecki versus Duda Santana, um, a women's fight. They came out swinging pretty hard in the first round. Santana secured a takedown, almost got an arm triangle, but Malecki knew what was going on uh, and immediately got out of it uh, and got back up to her feet. In the second round, Santana shot for a takedown right away and ended up with Malecki on her back, unfortunately. Uh, she quickly secured a rear naked choke uh, and had Santana tapping in the second round. Third fight was Frank Camacho versus Nick Hine. This was a very fun fight. Uh, they were a couple of power-punching dudes, so it was a good stand-and-bang fight. The first round was a really kind of feeling-out period with a couple of flurries and a couple of like flashy strike attempts from both the guys. Um, Frank Hine was, or Nick Hine was kind of throwing a spinning back kick to the body. Um, Frank Camacho, I think, threw a spinning elbow at one point or a spinning back fist. Towards the end of the round, you could see uh, Camacho kind of finding a rhythm and press, pressuring Hine against the cage, attacking the body with this really solid uh, body kick, um, and avoiding shots pretty well. The second round started with both men significantly more active, with Nick Hine landing his left hand and Kamato countering well and still landing to the body. Towards the end, you can kind of see that Hine is starting to fade from all the body work from, from Kamato, and uh, Kamato see the same thing and surges forward for a TKO, in the last seconds of the second round. The uh, next fight after that was Leonardo Santos coming back from a pretty long layoff. His last fight was UFC 204. Um, I think that was in 2015. So everybody was kind of worried about ring rust. He was fighting this uh, a good fighter in Stevie Ray. There's not really much to say. Uh, he Santos put the questions of ring rust to rest right away. Um, it was a it was a pretty quick fight. It started off pretty normally with Santos kind of pressuring Ray. Uh, Ray just kind of walked through the pressure and was throwing like really heavy left hands and really kind of left his chin out. He got countered uh, with a right hand and got knocked out cold. Uh, Santos actually ran completely out of the octagon and back down the tunnel. And they had to come and find him and bring him back for the for the official decision and the post fight interview and stuff. Fight after that was Tonya Evinger versus Lena Landsberg. This is one that I was uh, looking at before, and I talked about it in my previous couple podcasts. Um, I was wondering how Tonya was going to really fare in this fight, because as I said before, she doesn't have a victory in the UFC yet. Um, I wouldn't say that my theory was kind of proven, because I wouldn't say that she's a bad fighter, but... So, Tonya came out, and she immediately initiated the clinch. And Lands, which is where she should be very dominant. And then Landsberg reversed it, landed some really solid knees, cut Tonya, and uh, had Evans up against the cage by the end, like, pretty quickly. Landsberg landed an outside trip on Evinger and ended up in mount, and landed some pretty pretty solid intense ground and pound to finish out the first round i thought it was going to get stopped but she kind of survived till the end of the round the uh the second round started off with evander 
quickly securing a takedown, and it looked like he was going to, you know, have some success there. But then Landsberg again got to uh, a reversal and again landed some hard ground and pound on Evander. And then the third the third round was a lot more grinding on the cage until they were separated, and then Landsberg reversed another takedown attempt and beat Tanya up until the end of the fight. Um, it looks like this is going to be Tanya Evander's last fight in the UFC. She's a former Invicta champion, but it looks like she's had a, she has had like 28 fights, I think. So it wouldn't be surprising if she just calls this, uh, calls this a wrap, or if she goes down into or back into Invicta and fights there again. The last fight on, or I don't, I don't know if that was the last fight on the card. No, it wasn't. So the last fight on the prelims was Rostam Akman versus Sergei Kandosko. Uh, that's a really hard one, so I'm just going to call him Sergei. The first round wasn't really fast-paced, but both fighters were like reading each other and landing uh, really smart strikes. Then towards the end of the round, Akman landed a really nice uppercut hook combo uh, that stumbled Sergei. The second round was a bit more action-packed, but the real thing to notice was that Sergei was missing really most of his strikes. Like, he was swinging really, really wild hooks, uh, kind of jumping out at him. And Aquan had really good head movement and really good footwork, and he was just sort of moving out of the way of him and catching angles and countering pretty well. Um, that was until Sergei, or Aquan kind of overcommits and steps in a little bit too close. And Sergey lands a beautiful combo and just absolutely drops Akbar. Uh, they had a short grappling exchange, and uh, they ended up they ended up back on their feet for a second, and then Sergey took him down again. And it looked like it was weird one because he looked like he was going for a leg lock, but it was like a pretty compromising position, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, like. Like, Sergey was vertical one way, or horizontal one way, and then Akman was horizontal the other way, and it just didn't look right. But, you know, that's that's whatever it happens. Uh, the third round was another pretty big grappling fest. Uh, Sergey seemed to get the best of most of the most of grappling changes in that one, so he won by unanimous decision. The, the start of the main card was Sungbin Joe versus Daniel Tamer. Um... It got started with Joe getting cracked to the left and chased with a flurry by Tamer. He recovered pretty well, but ended up getting taken down shortly after. Uh, he almost got caught in an armbar and a triangle, but Tamer fought his or Tamer almost got caught in an armbar and a triangle, but he fought his way out of both pretty aggressively. They eventually got back up to their feet uh, with Daniel throwing a pretty big barrage of power hooks that kind of hit, but really didn't. Uh... That's how they ended up the first round. Round two had both fighters still trying to figure each other out, but with Tamer still being more active with more of the same in the third round. Tamer ended up winning by decision, really just because he was more active throughout the fight. Um, it was Joe's first fight, so the commentators were kind of suggesting that the, uh, the bright lights kind of got to him. And, you know, he... Um, was was just waiting a bit too much to find his punch instead of just going for it. Uh, the, the fight after that was actually pretty exciting. Uh, Damir Hadzovic versus Christos Giagos or Giagos. Um, it started off with both guys landing 
pretty heavy, and Diago's landed a pretty heavy takedown, a pretty big double leg, and it led to some pretty fun grappling exchanges. Diago's ended up in top position, landed ground pound until the end of the round. Um, at the start of the second round, Diago's landed a massive uppercut and started pressuring Hansevik with takedowns and submission attempts. They eventually got back up to their feet with Demir looking absolutely exhausted and Diago's was still pressured with his striking. In the third round, Diagos was training takedowns again, and he was too tired to complete one. Ended up ended up on his back, where he basically ended up ended out the round. But his work in the previous two rounds pretty much secured his victory, and he and he uh, ended up winning by unanimous decision. The fight after that was Makwan Amirkani returning against Chris Fishcold. Uh, the fighters both started out very relaxed, and they're flowing their strike strikes together. Uh, they both had pretty good defense until Amerikani landed a pretty solid double leg. Uh, Fishgold attacked a reverse triangle, but sh- like very shortly, but uh, Makwan got out pretty quick and ended the round in top position over Chris. Uh, starting out the second round, Fishgold was being more active than he was in the first. He was pretty slow in the first one and landed a pretty nice right hand on Makwan, but he recovered pretty well from that. And then landed a really good, a really hard grind shot on Fishhold. Um, to his credit, he took a very short break after that. And uh, caught Makwan in a very deep guillotine. But Makwan, being the uh, jiu-jitsu ace that he is, uh, reversed the guillotine. And ended up getting Chris Fishhold in a anaconda choke. And having him tap out. Uh, that was a pretty fun fight, as short as it was. Speaking of short fights, the fight for that was probably the shortest of the night. Jimmy Manuel versus Alexander Rakic. Um, I really didn't know anything about Alexander Rakic before this fight, but I'm definitely going to have to do a lot more research about him. Uh, it was about 30 seconds, and it was probably one of the knockouts of the year. Um... Alexander came out pre- pressuring Jimmy Manoa, who is a pretty serious knockout artist in his own right. Um, ended up head kicking him. It sounded absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they actually went back and played the sound itself again during the fight, like right after it. Pretty gross one. Um, he's another reason to be excited about the light heavyweight division, man. Uh, they're coming up a lot. They're going to be very exciting this year to watch. I think that uh, John Jones might have some trouble coming up for him in the next couple of years. He's probably going to be the champion for this foreseeable future, but, you know, he can't be champion forever. Um, of course, the main event was Alexander Gustafson versus Anthony Smith. Uh, at the beginning of the fight, the crowd was going absolutely nuts for Alex. It was really cool to see. Uh, especially him fighting at home. Uh, Anthony Smith came out in the first round uh, throwing absolutely huge shots, but really quickly realized that Alex was going to take the pretty much entire first round to figure him out, so he calmed down and started picking the shots a lot smarter and landing uh, some pretty significant heavy shots. Gustafson started the second round a little more active, but with Smith still bringing like really heavy pressure, Landing some hard shots, especially towards the end of the round. Um, he was tagging Gustafson pretty good towards the end of the second. 
the third ground was pretty boring for about 30 seconds until both guys started throwing like a series of bombs at each other. They both defended well for for uh, that period of time, and then Alex kind of picked uh, Anthony Smith off the rest of the round until uh, Gustafson landed a really hard kick and took uh, Smith down. And that was basically the end of the round. In the fourth, uh, it started with some light striking until Gustafson shot for a takedown. Smith reversed it and ended up on Alex's back, landed some ground and pound until getting a rear naked choke and absolutely silencing the crowd at the Ericsson Globe Arena. And in what we figured out, he uh, finished Alexander Gustafson's career. Uh, so, of course, after the fight, we all know, um, Alex ended up retiring in the octagon. Uh, pretty unfortunate to see. You know, he's a great fighter, great addition to the UFC, a uh, great role model. And he's been, you know, he's been great to have in the division. He's always been a great workhorse, a great gatekeeper. Of course, he challenged for the title three different times, came up short, but, you know, he's always been regarded as, as a top three fighter in the division, no matter who's in the, no matter who's fighting. The whole UFC and MMA community has spoken out for him and, you know, congratulated him on his career and on his retirement, uh, which I think is really cool. Even John Jones, who is everybody's number one enemy, I guess, uh, even he came out and spoke about it, uh, which is really cool. Uh, regarding Anthony Smith in this fight, it really throws him right back in the mix at the top of the division. Um, like I said in my last podcast, if Luke Rockhold wins his fight, I could see very possibly um, that fight being made between those two. I know that Anthony Smith wanted a pretty extended break, so if you waited for Luke Rockhold to fight and then they had however long of a fight camp until theirs, you know, that would probably be a good enough break for him. You know, I think that's uh, a pretty, pretty possible thing to happen. And uh, I think Luke would like that too, because that's, I believe, a pretty quick road to the title for him, uh, or for a title shot with John Jones. Um, with that, guys, I know it's it's a pretty short show this week. Uh, there's not that much to talk about. Um, you know, it's it was a pretty exciting fight card. I'm glad I got to break it down. I'm glad you guys listened. Uh, thank you guys once again for all your support. I got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of good feedback on last week's episode also. Uh, just please continue with your support. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Gladiator Hour, all lowercase, no spaces. Um, and I will catch you guys next week.